Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Gives the boat, plows ahead, touchdown! John Moten, there's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder, catch! Touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy, right side of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! Unbelievable! It's Collegiately Speaking. Join Dave Ed and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over. The Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. I'm Dave Ennett, joined once again by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. We stop by each week to give you an update on Northwestern football and the game just ended and on the game that lies ahead for the Wildcats who opened the season with a 17-7 loss to Stanford. They had a bye week last week, but the the big story, though, is Dan Persa is just back from Croatia. Uh, it's tough reentry, Dave, but you know I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so tell us about it. How was it? How was the trip? It was great. It was great. It's uh, it was a lot of a lot of seafood right on the coast there. Mm-hmm. You know, great culture in downtown Dubrovnik and and Montenegro. It's it's definitely a destination I recommend to anybody that has a chance to get over there. Do you get recognized a lot over there, Dan? Not really. No. no. The, the only reason I'll get recognized is because my my dad's grandmother was from there. That's that's oh, about okay. it. I, I was looking in phone books, but nothing really came up. <laughs> Well, since you were over there when the Wildcats were playing Stanford, were you able to follow the game from Croatia? I tried every avenue and and different. What about uh, our app? WGNRadio.com. It, it didn't work. I tried to listen to the game on the radio. It didn't work in Europe. They said the European, maybe you can talk to your producers or somebody, but um, I, I tried 10 different things, WGN app, and, and nothing was doing, yeah. so I had to catch up when I got back, which, you know, after hearing about the game, following it on Twitter, uh, reading articles, and then having to watch it after the fact was was pretty pretty tough. But. Well, when the game was being played, it was like middle of the night over there, right? Uh, I kicked off at 10 p.m. Yeah, okay. so I was I, trust me, I, my my wife was not happy. We left dinner early. We were all set <laughs> up, and the internet was working, but apparently it just something in Europe didn't didn't jive with uh, the Fox app or or whatever else I was using. Well, as someone who was there. In Palo Alto, I can tell you that uh, you probably got a pretty accurate description the way you were following it, and uh, it was a a rough start, let's face it. It was not an easy day, but I I also think that you can look at a game like that and and find some things that you can carry on to uh, the next game and maybe build on a little bit, and that seems to be what they're thinking. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right, because, uh, like I said, I I watched the game – after the fact, and, and people were, were pretty hard on the team. But when you look back at at you know the past couple of years when Northwestern has has done well, and even last year, like if we lose that Iowa game, that's 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 looked at as a pretty rough game. And I think you know a bounce here or there, while it was tough to watch at times on offense for the Cats, um, I, I didn't think it was as bad as people were making it out to be. But and that that's just what happens when you when you lose a game by you know a fumble here or fumble there and and a couple points. Um, but I, you know I think while Fitz is is always going to be overly op- optimistic, I think there is because specifically of the defense and because of the small glimpses of talent I saw in Hunter. There's there's a lot to you know hopefully improve upon. All right, well, let's get to the uh, the elephant in the room, and that's uh, the quarterback situation. And Hunter Johnson started the game. Uh, T.J. Green was able to come in and, and play pretty well and started the second half and put a drive together and then 
uh, got hurt. But but let's focus in on Hunter Johnson because he's the guy now. I mean, he was, I think, the guy going in, but uh, there there were two quarterbacks who I think they felt good about. Now there's one. So how do things change with that dynamic? Yeah, I think uh, first off, um, you know, anytime you have a, a first-time starter, you, you got to find ways to, to build his confidence. And I'm not sure um, Coach McCall did that up front. And, you know, because of that first interception, I think Hunter kind of got a little bit skittish in the first half there. He improved in, in the second half and made some nice plays. Still missed some easy throws. But, you know, on that first third down when, when you know, he throws a pretty nice ball to Holman, but Holman got hit in the back and it, it's tipped and it's picked. Mm-hmm. And then for a first-time starter, that's that's tough for the ego and for the confidence. So I think he struggled to respond to that. Uh, but no, to, to your second point, I think it, it could be a blessing in disguise. Obviously, you hate to see TJ go down like that because he's he's worked so hard and he played so well while he's in. But not having to look over your shoulder, knowing that you're the guy, having you know, hearing Fitz talk about the confidence he has in you goes a long way, and, and that shouldn't be understated. Well, you were in a two-quarterback situation at times, or, or at least seeing time when there was another quarterback playing, whether it was Mike Kafka or Kane Coulter or, uh, along the way. I mean... Knowing that the other guy's not available or that you're going to be the guy for this game, does that make a big impact on you psychologically? Yeah, I think it it was a little bit of a different situation. Mm-hmm. So when I came in for Mike, Mike was clearly the guy. I was I was coming in to basically run the ball and, and do a kind of a change of speed. And same thing when, when Kane came in for me, my senior year when I had an injury, I was clearly the guy and Kane was coming as like a change of pace. So that it was a little bit of a different situation mm-hmm. that they were going through now where it was a true battle. Um, definitely different different skill sets, but you know, at the end of the day they were they were competing in you know, I don't know if anybody on the team really knew who the guy was. Um, but now it's it'll be interesting going forward. Hopefully Hunter can kind of rise to the challenge. Like I said before, there were some glimpses of, of talent, right? You saw him run. You saw him make some throws. And while he missed some fairly easy throws at times, you can see the, kind of the pop he has in his arm. And, and Joel Klatt kind of alluded to this on, on the broadcast. It's like you can, you can tell pretty quickly the, the upside for quarterbacks watching them throw, you know, after two or three throws. And you watch Hunter throw – and it's pretty pure. Um, there's there's not a, a, a lot of guys that throw like that in college. But at the same time, that's that's great. Anybody can throw on air. You, you got to be able to make the easy swing passes that he missed a handful of times, and you know make the easy throws that he he you know struggled with. How much of that? And there were some overthrows. Right. And, I mean, is that adrenaline? I mean, I, I mentioned somebody during the game. We saw Mitch Trubisky do it some last year with the Bears, and you just wonder if it's if it's the adrenaline or is he seeing something in the defense that's causing him to throw those passes to airmail him a little bit yeah i think it's a little bit of adrenaline right your first start there's always a, a lot of adrenaline especially in the first couple series uh, but i think thought he did okay um but the, the the main thing that i saw is he just seemed a little bit rushed and when you're rushed in your mind and your your mechanics aren't really caught up that's what and joel Klatt talked about this again that's what really causes these overthrows, right? If he's getting through a progression and his mind's going quickly, but his body's not, his feet, specifically his feet, aren't catching up with his mind and he's out of position when he's making these throws, that's why a ball's sailing high. That's why he's throwing a ball into the ground on swing passes. It's it's not necessarily nerves. It's just the speed of the game isn't, there's not enough continuity with his mind and his body at this point. And I think nerves leads to that, but it's really just getting everything in one motion and calming down a little bit. Give us something you saw that, uh, aside from quarterback play, that you look to this week against UNLV and say, okay, that gives me encouragement looking down the road. 
Yeah, I think first, just a couple of the runs he had in in the second half, I think mm-hmm. we haven't seen that explosiveness at quarterback in a long time. Even when Clayton was was there, he was more of like a give him a couple yards to get going, but once he gets going, you're not going to catch him. He he just wasn't really that quick twitch guy. And Hunter is. You can you can see him when he makes on some of those those scrambles and, and QB runs. He's a he's a pretty quick twitch guy. So I think Having that ability with an offensive line that's relatively inexperienced is, is really promising, especially as you get into the Big Ten. And kind of like I said before, he again, I think he only made, he he completed what six passes total, six or eight passes. Um, you know, there was a handful of throws where you just got you saw everything kind of time up right, his feet were right, his arm was right, and the ball exploded out of his hand. And while that's something very small for Wildcat fans to hinge on, I, you know, you see that as a former quarterback, and, and you're encouraged by it. You mentioned first-time starters on the offensive line. I mean, uh, inexperience on the line. But there were guys who haven't started. They might have started a game here or there. But aside from Rashawn Slater and Jared Thomas, these are guys who haven't started on a regular basis up until now. So uh, it's kind of like that that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, that you also have some, some inexperience there, even though I think expectations for this offensive line, because of depth, or higher this year than maybe they were last year. Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job. I think mm-hmm. you're always going to be hard on an offensive line for not running the ball as well as you think you should. But when you don't have an offense that's that's well balanced, and we saw this when TJ came in when they were moving at a quicker pace, making you know quick throws and getting the ball out of his hands, and then you know giving it to Isaiah and and some other folks. And once you once you have that balance, it, it takes a lot of pressure off the, off the onset off the offensive line but when you're, you're fairly one-dimensional you're moving slow you're a kind of run run pass it, it, it's easy for d linemen to kind of tee off on that and i think that's what northwestern kind of got into a rut of but i it, when i watched rewatched the game i didn't really think that the offensive line was you know horrible uh, i thought they were pretty serviceable for the most part you know I, the quarterbacks held on the ball a little bit too long i thought you know, John Moten could have stuck his foot in the ground a couple more times and, and got a few more yards, but there, it wasn't like a glaring weakness. Maybe I, don't know, maybe I missed it, but I, I thought they did a, a pretty good job. And they did run the ball better in the second half. Right. And and some of that's with the quarterback run, too, right? I mean, exactly. that helps open things up a little bit. Definitely. And so you saw Isaiah Bowser come on before he got hurt. Uh, Drake Anderson got some some run not a ton but he did get to play a little bit uh and look this is a guy who only played two games last year so it's essentially his first time out of the box or something similar and john moton they do have some depth there how about jesse brown he kind of has become the third down back yeah i it was i was pleasantly surprised with with jesse i you know, frankly, haven't seen him play a ton, um, but I I was really happy with the way he ran. You know, the way he caught the ball, the way he blocked specifically, um, he was really impressive. I think he needs a new number. Thirty six doesn't look great, but uh, I think he did a, a really nice job. And he's he's a big guy. I mean, he he runs very hard. And I think having Isaiah and him in the backfield wearing on defenses, and then have having you know Anderson coming in to to provide a little wiggle is is really good balance. You know, you talk about this game, and we're going to talk to Joe Gaziano here in a few moments one of the stalwarts on that wildcat defense but but overall the defense and i felt especially as as imbalanced as time of possession was in the first half in particular in that game as much time on a very warm afternoon that they were on the field you know they they kept that team in the ball game they gave them a chance to win they came up with a couple of turnovers 
Uh, the Wildcats weren't able to cash in on him. One of them, Gaziano, uh, came up with the ball. The other one, that uh, Greg Newsom fumble return that, that set him up nicely in plus territory. But you look at that, you look at the defense, and I think that even if you go back to early last year, the defense occasionally had some hiccups early in the year. It does take some time. I actually think against that offense, and granted, Costello got hurt and didn't play in the second half, but the other guy, Mills, is a pretty highly regarded quarterback, and they pretty much bottled him up, and the, the final score's a little more misleading than maybe it should have been. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with the defense. I think um, there were a handful of missed tackles, and interested to hear from Joe on how kind of preparation leads into the, the first game and missed tackles because that happens, you know, across the board, high school, college, and mm-hmm. NFL. There's just a ton of missed tackles in the first game because of the way people practice now. Uh, but no, I, I think I think they did a great job. I don't think really Northwestern's ever had this type of speed from you know from the defensive tackle all the way to the to the back half ever. And it's it's been a lot of fun, and like we talked about last show, they just have so much depth in the back half. I mean, they have they have eight guys that they can play back there. Um, so, to your point, Stanford's a very talented offense, and, and they they did a great job. Typically, when you you hold somebody to ten points, you're going to win ninety nine percent of the time. And again, the defense is going to keep them in most games. Obviously, it gets a little scarier when you're playing high octane octane offenses offenses like Nebraska or Ohio State who are you know no matter how well you do they're probably going to score 14 to 21 points uh, but every other team in the Big Ten is going to struggle to score against this defense. Hey Dave and Dan Purser with you on Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com and speaking of defense Dan we bring in number 97 of the Wildcats star defensive end for the Cats Joe Gaziano and I always have trouble with the hometown, Joe. Even though you've you've corrected me on it, it's situate. How do you say? Yeah, it? that's correct. Situate, situate, Massachusetts. Situate, Massachusetts, and uh, God's country. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny because you you look at this defense and look. There's been a lot of guys from Texas. You have you know J.R. Pace and Patty Fisher and Travis Willock, all these Texas guys on this team, and the Millers. And then there are a couple of starters on this defense from Massachusetts. Now, how does that happen? Yeah, so it's a funny story. I mean, Blake Gallagher is a good buddy of mine, and he's played a lot of ball with me uh, as the world backer. And um, I actually played against his older brother in high school. So I've known the family for quite a bit and worked out with uh, a bunch of them throughout high school. And so uh, when Blake came to visit, um, I was the one who stepped up and, and hosted him. And, and I think he was sold at the uh, at the fact that it could work coming from Boston all the way to Chicago. But we've had a connection ever since and uh, have enjoyed playing playing side-by-side with him. And how's his brother looking? Good. So uh, Bryce, uh, the youngest one, obviously, is a freshman now. And uh, he's a good athlete. Everyone keeps saying that he's the best of the three. Uh, so Brandon, the oldest brother, played uh, is a running back. Um, and then the two linebackers. So um, I'm excited to see Bryce play. And, um, you know, he's he's limited reps this year, but I'm sure in the future he's going to be um, making, you know, a lot of plays for Northwestern. Well, Joe, I want to ask you about the uh, the defense, where it is now after one game and, and heading into this matchup with UNLV on Saturday because I we were just discussing before you joined us that you know, I thought the defense played pretty well in the Stanford game. I know there are some some plays you guys would like to have back, and and maybe there were a few tackles missed along the way. But but overall, where do you think this defense is now with one game under your belt and this extra week of practice here going into UNLV? 
Yeah, I think we're confident. I mean, we battled a ton of adversity in that Sanford game. And, um, you know, Coach Fitz said he was real proud of the way that we battled through the, the echo of the whistle and, and through the end of the fourth quarter. I think it was, uh, it was a testament to kind of our preparation for that game. Obviously, you know, tackling was an issue early on and, and kind of, the you know, Stanford made a couple more plays than we did. But um, I think this week going into the UNLV game, we're not really focused on, um, you know, trying to do too much. I think we're just looking, you know, internally and saying, you know, how can we make a couple more plays? How can we give the ball back to our, our offense and, and put, you know, them in good opportunities to score points. Thanks, Joe, for joining Dan Percy here. Um, everybody talks about tackling, right? It's it's the thing that comes up most, whether you're talking about high school, college, um, NFL, especially in the first game. It's it's how to, how did you bring a, a team out and, and tackle well in the first game. Personally, yeah, I, I think mean, it's, it's, it's real it's, difficult just because, yeah. you know, in camp you're trying to keep guys healthy, right? right. So we, we do tackling drills, and, and they're not live. You know, you're not taking guys to the ground. You're kind of studding up, running your feet. Um, but you don't get that actual aspect of, okay, there's a running back. He's trying to break this tackle. How do I prevent that from happening? How do I, as Coach Hank says, step on his toes? So, you know, run your feet through contact, wrap up, you know, get good contact, and make sure you're running your feet. Um, it's just, you know, you don't get those live action reps right. as much as, you know, some teams may have used to in the old days when you practice and, and every every play was full full go to the ground. Um, so it's kind of you have to make sure you're working the technique and the small things, but at the end of the day, bringing it to the to the game day, it's another step you have to take. And I think, um, you know, as a defense, we, we struggled a little bit with that early on, but we were able to kind of, you know, get our footing and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring that and kind of improve on that early on in the game and in the home opener. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a thing every every team struggles with, right? At the end of the day, and um, maybe talk a little bit about the d- defensive line. I think you know at times you guys were you're running in new shifts every other every other down, but it seemed like you guys had a great day, you know, on on the interior and and on the outside. Um, you know, who who are you looking to to step up next couple of games, if not the rest of the season? It seemed like Alex Miller had a great a, you know a great game coming off injury from last year. Yeah, Alex Miller played great. I mean, he's put on some weight and is just you know plugging holes in the middle and doing a great job at that and affecting a lot of run plays. Um, he might not make the play, make the tackle, but he's affecting ta- he's affecting you know offensive tackles, offensive guards, and, and centers just line up in a two eye. So he's a presence in the middle and definitely fortunate to play with him. Um, Trevor Kent's a young guy who's getting a lot of snaps now. Who you know I think has a lot of ability and, and flashed a little bit of that early on. You know, kind of got his feet wet with his first start, and we'll be able to kind of improve on that in this game. Um, one guy to look out for, though, is Eku Leota. Um, he's a great pass rusher, and I think he had the best offseason anyone, anyone on the team. Um, just putting on a little bit of size and, and staying quick and getting active with his hands and getting a great spring. So looking for him off the edge uh, in pass rusher uh, situations third and long. So he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, we were keeping an eye on him. I mean, we're watching all you guys, but really anxious to see how he played in his first game. And because you see him on the practice field, we watched him all during the uh, during the fall camp. And, you know, he just looked like a guy, Joe, that was going to come in and, and be disruptive and make an immediate impact. And, and we did see that uh, against Stanford. Uh What's his uh, what's his upside? What do you see from him in terms of uh, how far he can go? Yeah, I mean he's got one of the quickest get offs I've seen as a D lineman. We you know we're always working on first step explosiveness in the off season, right? Trying to get you know work against resistance bands or add weight and kind of pulling sleds just so that your first step off the ball as soon as you keep the ball moving that you're you're getting you know into the offensive tackle before he can kick set and, and get over the top of you. So his first step quickness is the most natural fastest thing off the ball I've seen. 
Um, so his upside is huge because he can be able to you know, bend the corner quicker than offensive tackles can get his hands on him. Um, and I think he can be really disruptive doing that. And his change of direction is really good, too. He doesn't just have outside ability. He can, you know, he can make a tackle, try to move his feet. He can be shifty on the edge and, and kind of make an inside move, make the tackle hesitate, and, and kind of burn that corner as well. How much confidence do you guys up front get from the guys playing behind you, knowing that if if you put some pressure on the quarterback – uh, there's a pretty good chance that uh, somebody in that second level is going to come up with a play on the ball if you if you put any kind of heat on the passer. Yeah, I mean that's that's a goal for us going into each week is affect the quarterback, right? So um, that's not a sack every down. It could be you know making him move his feet and, and throw the ball errantly on a third down, and, and maybe he throws it away because he has to move his feet, or maybe he throws it into coverage. Um, but yeah, we trust the guys out back to lock down. Trust that you know Coach Hank is putting them in a great position to make plays. So um, as long as we're doing our job up front and affecting the quarterback, um, sacks, pressures, tips, and hits, that um, it'll allow our defense to excel. Um, out back and up front what do you see from uh, unlv as you look at them this week yeah i mean they got a a, a returning quarterback who's who's tall and he's athletic um poses a challenge for a defensive line rushing trying to affect a guy because the scramble is always a threat um you know their run scheme is is uh difficult to defend just because of the the misdirection that they run and, and they're very good at um kind of getting you out of position and, and stealing your eyes with different blocks and, and which way the running back is going um but i think uh as long as we're able to kind of key in on our, our main keys and, and not get distracted by uh you know the variables that they try to throw at you i think we'll be uh be able to play some technically sound defense and stop the run early and get after the passer so you played both football and lacrosse in high school, if, if I'm not mistaken, and you captained both the teams. How did yep. how did playing lacrosse prepare you for your college football career and and hopefully beyond? Yeah, I mean, lacrosse was a ton of fun in high school. Uh, some of my best friends to this day from high school are, are guys that I played lacrosse with, so I'm fortunate to be able to play that sport. Um, but, you know, the translation on the field was I was, you know, weighing 245, you know, I was 6'4", uh, defending these guys who were, you know, the shiftiest people I've ever seen in my life on on any field. Um, and they were, you know, I had to defend them and, and try to force them, you know, away from the goal and uh, help out the defense. So I was, you know, a bigger guy going against small shifty guys, and it kind of forced me to work on my lateral quickness, work on my change of direction, and um, and to be honest, just staying in shape in the in the offseason. Um, but everything translated well, and I think that prepared me um, my senior season, just kind of being um, a vocal leader as well and being able to kind of translate that into uh, being a freshman and kind of uh, carrying myself the right way as I stepped on campus here at Northwestern. And you've attended a university which has a pretty good reputation in lacrosse in its own right, right? Absolutely. You, you yeah, get out yeah. there and watch them, right? Yeah, it's great to see them on Lakeside Field. They're uh, very competitive and I uh, love to see them win games, and especially, uh, you know, playing in the indoor that, w- that we practice on. It's real cool to see them uh, excel. They had a great year last year. And um, I even, uh, when I was younger, I used to go to the Final Four uh, that was held at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, and I would see some of the uh, the NCAA games uh, for the men's and women. So kind of cool to see that firsthand and, and know some of the people who are on that team. You know, Dan Purse, I have to tell you real quickly, my, my favorite <laughs> – one of my favorite memories, Joe Gaziano, we're on the field at Yankee Stadium uh, before the Pinstripe Bowl. 
and uh, for a walkthrough. And, and Joe is walking off that field just with this this grimace on his face. Right as a Boston Red Sox fan, how tough was that for you to to be inside Yankee Stadium? <laughs> Yeah, it was bittersweet. I mean, uh, it's a cool stadium, and you know, you know, thankful for the opportunity to play there. But uh, you know, would have much rather been at Fenway. And actually, my high school team played at Fenway uh, my freshman year in college, so I missed that by one year. So I was a little, <laughs> a little angry at that opportunity missed. But um, you know, it was a cool stadium, just just not the right one, I guess. I guess not. Well, listen, we appreciate the time. Uh, good luck this week against UNLV and all seasons. Always good catching up with you, and, and thanks as always. Thanks, Joe. Awesome. Appreciate it, Dave, and then good to hear from you guys. All right, great catching up with Joe Gaziano, one of the good guys. Had a great career, and he should have a, an outstanding senior season and and a career after that of the next level. I mean, you look at this game, Dan, People talked a lot this offseason about the non-conference record the Wildcats had last year, 0-3. Now, granted, one of those losses was a, was a close game, uh, at least up until, I think, the last couple of drives against Notre Dame, but, you know, a top a team that went to the playoff, right? But but I do think it's those other games that, that kind of haunted the Wildcats and a reason that even Pat Fitzgerald acknowledged they didn't get more attention going into this season. So here's one of those games here at home against UNLV, a team that got blown out at home last week by Arkansas State. And we've seen a lot of blowouts here, which you always tend to get some this time of year because of some of the matchups. These are, in some cases, uh, you have uh, the the teams that lower-level teams that are playing Power 5 teams, uh, you, you're you're looking for uh, an upset. I mean, look, Ar- Army's a solid program. They played Michigan really tough last week. That game went to overtime, but there were a fair share of thirty-seven to nothing, seventy-nine to nothing in week one. I mean, you've had these games that have been absolute blowouts. I'm not saying Northwestern needs to blow anybody out, but I just wonder if maybe teams are looking at these games that way now once again and. And, and saying, you know, we need to put up a big, impressive score this week. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? I think it's more of, of a confidence-building thing than anything else. And, and you know, if, if Northwestern could have a perfect world, they'd probably start with UNLV and then then travel out to Stanford and, mm-hmm. and get some of these bugs out early. But, you know, I think it's it's really important, and whether, whether it's 79 nothing or 20, 21 nothing, I, I think as long as they, Northwestern wins – you know, very confidently and convincingly it is important for especially the offense's mentality going forward. And the thing that that scares me is, you know, historically Northwestern has kind of shut the playbook on on both sides of the ball, and and that's why some of these games they've they've lost some to Illinois State and Northern Illinois, and and they've had a lot of close ones. Um, so you know, hopefully, Coach McCall keeps the playbook open, has Hunter build some confidence with some easy throws. They get some big plays. They had they didn't really have a ton of big plays against Stanford and and they win convincingly. Obviously I don't I don't think UNLV is going to do much against our defense. It's, this is just an important confidence game for the Northwestern offense moving into the you know the the meat of the schedule. Yeah, I, I look at it that way too. And it's one of those games where the students aren't back yet. And and so that's always a big week when this when school starts and the students show up. And now next week you got Michigan State coming in, and you dive right in right. to back into the the heart of 
Big Ten play, Michigan State, and then you go into your divisional play against Wisconsin and Nebraska on the road. I mean, over the next several weeks, things are are going to be tough. Uh, so I agree with you. I, th- I look at this game as one where you can come out, get Hunter comfortable, comfortable get your offense cooking, um, maintain the play of your defense, maybe come up with some turnovers, get some confidence, just get a good feeling going into that Michigan State game next week. Right. It's it's almost like a, a preseason or exhibition just to get the, the juices for and get the confidence. And, and unfortunately, you didn't have that in front of Stanford. But isn't that maybe the problem, though? If you look at it that right. way, no, I know. you'll get yourself into trouble. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't look at it at that at this way, but hopefully the us as fans look at it that way and the the players certainly don't especially after losing to Stanford and losing so many of these games in in the past but as a a fan and a and a a commentator you think you hope that they they kind of take that that approach and and come in come out business-like and and move on to the next because I think they're 20-point favorites at this point um so hopefully they they stay focused and and uh have an impressive showing it's supposed to be a great day Saturday we'll see you at Ryan Field and we'll look forward to uh rehashing it next week and looking ahead to Big Ten play the following week thanks to uh, Joe Gaziano for jumping on with us thanks to our producer Curtis Koch I'm Dave Edit with Dan Persa thanks for joining us once again this week for Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com.